Olofinjana to Lawrence. Played through for Fuller. Fuller's beaten Larson here. And Ricardo Fuller scored for Stoke. Ten minutes to go. And it could yet be a celebratory night in the Potteries. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Wizards of Drivel podcast. And it's the start of a new tradition for the podcast as we do our first ever preview episode. Later on we'll be talking to two lads from Hall City Fan TV. But this episode is all about the upcoming game in Yorkshire. Uh, I'm joined by Ben Cartwright. Hello, good evening. How are you? I'm very well. And what I want to do for these uh, new podcasts is to ask my guest or guests what their favourite game of this fixture was. So, Ben, what's your favourite Stoke v Hull fixture ever? I mean, I, to be completely honest with you, I think the only Hull v Stoke game I went to is the recent League Cup game that we got knocked out in. So, I'm not going to go for that. I'm, I had a bit of a route around the history books, to be honest, and um, I, I found one of the first fixtures between Hull and Stoke, which was... Hull City 7, Stoke 1, um, so we won't go with that. That was back in 1921. Um, the biggest ever win for Stoke in this fixture was back in 1986, so apparently 5,000 people were at that one, so they, they must have gone home happy, or at least the Stoke fans anyway. Um, but my choice would have to be the um, the 18th of November 2006 fixture between Hull and Stoke. Um, and I chose this one for a number of reasons, really, but um, the main one was that Daryl Russell got on to the score sheet, and... And as a as a wow. a lad growing up um, supporting Stoke, he was he was one of my favourites for some reason. I think I always, well, I still do, to this day fancy myself as a bit of a central midfielder. So anyone that plays in that sort of midfield area, I'm gonna become attracted to. Um, and I always got pulled towards Daryl Russell's sort of cornrows, I think. Um, and <laughs> he got on the score sheet along with Danny Higginbotham. Um, Danny scored in the second minute, so two rare scorers there, um, as well as. Bangora came on off the bench for Liam Lawrence, which is an interesting one. And also Dave Brammer came on, um, which Legend. is, of course, a mix between your name and Chris's name. So um, <laughs> I just thought it was a fascinating fixture. And I, I wasn't there, but um, I feel like I'm there. I feel like I was there after all this research I've done on this game. But I'm sure it was a, a fascinating <laughs> fixture and a win for Stoke. You- well, yeah, you've uh, kind of hit upon a theme uh, looking back on these fixtures is that they don't tend to be classics. I mean, lo- looking back on recent scorelines, there's no particularly interesting ones. They're all kind of one nils and one alls on uh, on the whole. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't go for what I thought would be the obvious one in recent times, which was the 2-1 victory at Hull in 2009 that uh, sealed our Premier League status in our first season up. Liam Lawrence scoring a screamer in the late stages of the game to kind of seal it. Uh, but as I say, these uh, games have generally been quite uh, low-scoring affairs. Uh, in that same season, we had the home game at the Britannia Stadium, which was pretty unremarkable. I think both sides scored a penalty each. But it was a game in which Boaz Myhill kicked it out for a corner uh, instead of a throw-in. Ah, so yes. terrifying was the prospect of Rory Delap at this stage. That was a moment. That was a great moment. Right in the height of everyone absolutely hating Stoke, especially when you grow up in a school in Hertfordshire. I got so much grief for supporting Stoke and I absolutely loved it. So that is a memory that I think will stick with me forever. Also, talking about memories that will stick with me forever, 
that Ryan Mason goal in the League Cup recently, I'm, I'm never going to forget that. How Ryan Mason, probably the one, one of the most unremarkable <laughs> players to ever get an England cap, scored that goal will will stay with me for a very long time, I'm sure. Yeah, that was that was a bit annoying. I'm sure we'll uh, speak to our whole guest later about that. Um, so, yeah, uh, we're hoping this next fixture is a bit more exciting and ends in a Stoke win. Obviously, uh, we had a bit of a debate on Twitter uh, before we recorded this podcast about what kind of team would you want, and the responses were mixed. Um, so I'll ask: Do you think we should kind of stick with the same team that beat Sunderland? I mean, this is an interesting question. It's been an interesting question for the entire season because I think right at the beginning I was with everyone and just picking teams that I wanted and now I think I've it's helped me in a way I've become much more of a realist and realised that Bojan isn't going to play probably Sobi probably isn't going to even be on the bench so I'll go with the team that I want instead of the team that I think should play and um, as I mentioned I think Sobi needs to needs to get on the on the bench at least um, Whelan although he has been playing better I would absolutely love to see. I know a few people have been saying this on Twitter, I think, um, about Cameron being in the holding midfield spot and then leaving the sort of two other central midfield positions to either well, definitely go to Allen. He's he's the first name on the on the on the team sheet at the moment, I'd say. Um and then either risk it with Bojan and, and ask him maybe to play a bit more of a sort of full role in central midfielder rather than just attacking or go with the obvious choice, which is our record signing, um, Gianelli in Bueller, but who knows where he is? Is he the next Bangora? Who knows? Well, we, we obviously hope not, uh, but yeah, it's a funny one with Bueller. It's a funny one with Sobi. Uh, they appear to have disappeared off the face of the earth. I think Mark Hughes did make some comments earlier this week along the lines of, uh, He's progressing, but he's not perhaps progressing fast enough. He's still got some work to do with his uh, learning English. Uh, and it's a really difficult one to to kind of understand without fully knowing what's gone on behind the scenes, of course. But I think there's definitely a quality player there. And it's surprising to me that we don't have him at least as an option on the bench. Uh now, the interesting thing, also looking at these suggested teams that people have tweeted us, is that none of them feature in Bueller, which might just be kind of realism on the uh, on the behalf of people who've tweeted us. Are we happy with the back four? I know Phil Barsley's a doubt, but are we kind of uh, settled on that uh, back four of Peters, Shawcross, Martins, indeed, and then whoever's fit... Uh, from Johnson, Bardsley. Uh, I mean, who, if Bardsley isn't fit, who do you put right uh, back? Juff is sitting on the bench waiting for a start. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that has to be our our first choice sort of back four. I do remember a time not too long ago when we were asking for the likes of Joel Taylor for to start, and now we're sort of somehow praying that Imbula even makes a bench. I can't like I can't fathom that at the start of the season. If we were saying that, I probably wouldn't have believed you that we weren't even getting Imbula in the squad. So. Um, yeah, it's an, well, I don't know who to put a right back instead. I mean, did Muniesa play there at the end? Um, so yes, he did, and by all accounts, he did a decent job. Pe- people always happy to see him there. Um, whether he he will play a full ninety minutes there remains to be seen. But 
yeah, people are pretty positive about his uh, impacts at the end of the Sunderland. I game. guess I guess the annoying thing and the potential, well, potentially the thing that will happen is Cameron will be moved to right back, and obviously he's coming to the team. A lot of people, including myself, I didn't expect him to be so influential there. We've played there a couple of times for us before, but he's come in there and sort of made that position his own when at the start of the season even I was like, we still haven't signed a holding midfielder that can do a job there to replace Whelan and maybe Cameron is that man. And, and now that we've got this, well, Barzi and Johnson situation, he might be the, the man forced to go to right back, which I think would be a, 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 re- a real shame. Yeah, well, this is the interesting uh, thing for me is to do with our midfield now we've had better results in recent games and uh, having Cameron there has definitely had a positive impact on the midfield the question is do we use this as a a springboard to then play a more adventurous midfield or do we think right we've got results with this uh, ultra cautious midfield three of Allen Whelan and Cameron or do we think, right, okay, we've stopped the rot, we've got a good win against Sunderland, Hull are there for the taking, let's play Allen with Cameron, drop Whelan. Now, people might already think I'm going slightly mad to suggest that Hughes might drop Whelan. <laughs> and play Bojan or Mbula. I, I, want, I want to hope so because I'm a big fan of both Bojan and Mbula. But... I'm not sure if he'll do it just yet, and that's kind of frustrating. I think it's probably the right the right idea. I think there's there's definitely potential there for a fantastic team and a team that everyone would love to watch. That's what we all hope anyway. But it's probably come at the wrong time, um, as you say. We've, we're we're off the back of one of our worst runs of form in recent memory, and and we do have this team that, I mean, it might not be performing like completely convincingly. Although Sunderland was definitely better, it's still going up. But um, yeah, I, I, it might be the wrong time. But even though it is, it, I'd say it's the right place going to Hull, a team that I think I'm trying to find the name, but I think they're they're being forced to play a, a 17 year old at the back. Um, oh yes, I, I've just just uh, reading a story about that. Uh, Hull City's Josh Tymon earns just 160 pound a week, but is set for Premier League debut against Stoke. Defender 17 would be one of the lowest played players in Premier League history if called into action. So if, which kind of yeah, sums up the depth of their squad. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would take £160 a week to play Stoke. Um, so, fair play to him. I'm sh- I, the thing is with these players that he's he's bound to now start on Saturday and put in one of the a blinding performances. Someone will say he should be in the England team um, and he'll have an astronomical career <laughs> from there. I mean, I don't even know if he's English. I hope he's English. That's just... Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. But we saw it with, was it Reese Oxford for West Ham a couple of seasons ago when he came in and then he got given man of the match. So, I mean, we're saying it as if he's someone to, to pick on, which I, I pray he is, but we we literally know nothing about him. Maybe even Mike Phelan knows nothing about him, considering he's paid so little. Well, I can tell you that he's from Kingston-upon-Hull and was given his FA Cup debut as a 16-year-old boy at Bury in January this year. There Fair play. Yeah, 16 years old and you're playing for Hull. It's what every boy dreams <laughs> of. Um, so, given their kind of lack of squad depth and the fact they've just been absolutely hammered at Bournemouth, are we confident? 
Oh, goodness. I hate saying I'm confident. This is what I was like before the season. I was confident, and look where it has, it's ended up for us. Um, I, obviously, I've thought about this going into the podcast. I'm, I am confident. I think we need to win, and I think we are going to win. I, I think we have too much for a whole side that, obviously, at the start of the season, they looked half decent, but now they're definitely going the other way to where we are going. So, if we're going to have any sort of decent season, we need to be picking up points away at Hull. Um, obviously, they're favourites to get relegated at the start of the season. Um, it is a weird one, obviously. Phelan signed the contract, uh, or was it before last week's game, um, where normally a new manager comes in and signs a contract and the team plays really well. It's gone the complete opposite way for Hull, and now maybe they'll just start playing awful football. Well, that's what we'll be hoping now that Phelan has signed that contract. So, yeah, I'm, I'm confident. I don't think Hull are amazing. Obviously, we're about to talk to some Hull fans. So I don't want to be too disrespectful. Um, but yeah, I think we should win. Well, um, the interesting thing is with doing a preview podcast now is that uh, I famously banned predictions <laughs> uh, after I said we definitely beat West Brom and then we uh, didn't. Uh, so I've just asked for kind of general non-scoreline predictions out on Twitter. Uh, Nathan SCFC says... We'll be disappointed with the team news, then then with the scrappy game, one goal will win it. Uh, Jugbank Stokey says, everyone will, will moan about the starting lineup and the substitutions, but we will still win. And uh, Ben Rowley goes with, I think all the other teams will be docked all of their points due to the Telegraph scandal and we'll, we'll sign Neymar. So... You know, a varying range of predictions. That'd there. be an, that'd be an interesting uh, Saturday afternoon if that all happens at once. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, theme of the first two was uh, a kind of the when two p.m. comes around on a Saturday and you see that Stoke team sheet that you just your heart will most likely sink. Um, can can you see him throwing a curveball into the lineup? Because Oh, you, you, if you're ever on Twitter uh, at 2pm on a Saturday, it is kind of just the worst place to be with everyone venting their rage. But maybe with a, a consistent lineup, everyone will be a bit calmer, perhaps. Yeah, I, I'm trying. I'm trying. I've been trying to get used to the fact that I'm disappointed with the starting eleven. Is like as you say, it's sort of that time again of the week where. I end up just in an awful mood because something's gone wrong. So I'm trying to calm that down a bit. Um, I actually haven't seen a starting eleven this season, and I've been like, "That is the right call, Mark Hughes. You've you've done exactly what I thought." Um, so I'm going with the attitude that if there's going to be a curveball in there, it's going to be Crouchy starting up front, Jonathan Walsh on the right wing, and then Mame Buram Jufa right back. That's the curveball that I, I would I <laughs> potentially expect to see come come Saturday two o'clock. Well, uh, on that note, I think we'll uh, pause there and hopefully after the break we'll be speaking to some Hull fans about how much we're going to beat them by. And Stoke City are through! What a performance from the Potters! 2-0 on the night! 3-2 on aggregate! And the players go over to their six or 700 supporters in that Grange end! And the supporters just cascade forward towards them. What a performance by Goodyear Thordison's men tonight. They can stand proud. 
because they've come here into a cauldron at Ninian Park and they have taken a worthy victory that has moved them to the Millennium Stadium. Welcome back. I'm now joined by Dimitri from Hull City Fan TV. Dimitri, how are you feeling ahead of Stoke's trip to to the uh, KCOM Stadium? Very nervous, to be honest with you. It should be a textbook game in a fixture list. But after I lost to Barber 6-1, and our recent form slump in comparison to your Barber eyes, has left me feeling very nervous. We really need at least a point just to... Even though points not much, just need to start rising and need to get out this slump and need to put all these losses behind us. Does the fact you uh, recorded a 2-1 victory in the League Cup at the Bet365 Stadium account for anything for you? Does Was was that much of a first team you put out? Can you draw any conclusions from that game? No, to be honest. Because even if we would have, to be honest, I think if we would have played in the league at that point, we would probably would have won. Because we were in a bit of a really bad form at that point. And it's only the Cups. So I'm not taking anything from that. If anything, it's worse because it makes you more determined to beat us and you, you already know how we play. I'd rather have not have played that much, to be honest. Because now we're prepared. Um, are there any Stoke players that kind of worry you uh, from, from our side? Yes. Probably Shakiri and Joe Allen. The, the players getting the floor bits recently. Joe Allen's had is it four goals, I think, this season. Um, I know that Shakiri, when he turns up, he's a very good player. Um, whereas Hull City are more a team better than the sum of their parts, I know that Stirk have got quite a few talented individuals. And I am quite worried about whether or not they'll turn up. Hopefully they do for us. What has happened with Hull this season? Because you uh, had a blinding start to the season, of course, beating the champions in the uh, first game. Then, uh, since then, you seem to have fallen off a cliff. I mean, what's gone on there? Yeah, that it, that did happen, to be honest. We had a great start. We beat Leicester. They underestimated us completely. And Leicester haven't been brilliant this season. Beat them. We beat Swansea. So, again, well, we got quite lucky. We went play very defensively and hit them on the counter. But you've got to look at who we've played against since. So we beat those teams. We've lost to Man United, we've lost to Arsenal, we've lost to Liverpool, Chelsea. We expected that. It would have been nice to take a point from one of them, but it's not the end of the world losing to those teams. But I do feel like the confidence is gone, and that was shown in the game against Barnum. It's cliche, but we had so much just... It's gone. We had so much confidence at the beginning of the season, and it's just absolutely shot teeth right now. We lost 6 1 Barnum. I'm a bit nervous. Um, how do you feel about the appointment of uh, Mike Phelan? He seemed to be doing all right as a caretaker, but the minute he got the uh, permanent manager's position, he's uh, done that on the south coast. I mean, uh, does it does that worry you? Do you think he's uh, a good manager long term? Yeah, I do. I feel like. He spent 12 years at Monday United with Sarah Ferguson. He spent, you know, spent time with us as a sit-up manager in the past few years. He deserves his chance, and I don't think it's his fault. You know, I feel like managers are blowing a bit too often. I think it was down to the players last weekend. And we've only had him in charge one game as permanent manager. 
I'll wait a bit. Uh, I'll wait, wait a bit longer before I make a proper judgment on him. I do seek. I do. I am seeing concerns that maybe we just we overreact a bit when he beats Swansea and Leicester. But I want to give him a longer, an actual permanent manager. He's allowed a bit more free reign now. He can talk to the players more, and I think he'll react to them differently now that he knows he's got the job permanent. Uh, looking ahead, um, from our point of view, are there any players uh, for Hull that we should be worried about? Not really, no, because when we have played well, it's the team coming together. We've got a really good team spirit. Like The, the players are so united because we, we only had 30, 13 players at the start of the season. And there's a very much, there's a very set group of players that took us up that last season championship. We're very much better than some of our parts. If I had to pick one, probably Curtis Davis, who on his day is very, very like incredible. He he man marked Ebra early on in the season, marked about the game, didn't get a sniff. I mean that should say enough to be honest. Um, we don't have that much time, but uh, could you kind of sum up what's been happening? behind the scenes recently is, is there any kind of movement in terms of a takeover from Asi Malam uh, are you determined to get rid of him as quickly as possible uh, do you know what's going on there we've actually had fresh reports in the last 24 hours in Hong Kong the Hong Kong Stock Exchange I believe they've seen the found a, an account the public account recording that states that HJFC Full City Social Football Club have been purchased for £130 million. But it's yet to go through the Premier League officially, and the owners will still need to take the fit and cross persons test, which is where the last of this group failed. Uh, they, one member of their consortium failed the fit and cross persons test. So it's looking better, but I think you've got to treat anything with scepticism because we all thought they'd gone last time, and then we got the news of the failed fit and cross persons test. Okay, uh, just uh, remarkable that. Uh... Modern football is such that the news of the Chinese stock exchange has an impact on Hull City Football yeah. Club. Um, on our podcast, uh, I kind of banned us from making uh, score predictions uh, because they have a tendency to blow up in our faces. But uh, mm. since since you're a Hull fan, since you're supporting the opposition, uh, what do you think the score will be this Saturday? Score? Two all. I think there's going to be goals. I can see... You've got some attacking players. We're going to be determined to just... I can't see it being a boring game at all. I think both teams have got a lot to play for. OK. Uh, Dimitri from Hull City Fan TV, thank you very much. Thanks a lot for having me on. There we go. That's our first preview show of the season done. Many thanks to Dimitri there for giving us his insights from a Hull perspective. If you want to uh, see how they're doing on Twitter, it's at Hall City Fans TV. And a reminder that we are at Wizards of Drivel on Twitter. Uh, I am at David Cowlishaw on Twitter. And Ben is at B.A.J. Cartwright. If Twitter's not your thing, but you want to get in touch with the show anyway, maybe when you give us some feedback on some episodes, you, if you want to just uh, generally have a chat, if you want to uh, tell, us, tell us a funny story that we can read out on air, then we've got an email address now. It's wizardsofdrivelpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back on Sunday reviewing Stoke's game against Hull. It will be hopefully me, Chris and Ben. Uh, till next time, thank you very much for listening and 
see you soon.